up? I'm Erin, Dr. Shred Deathbridge, and you are tuning in to one of the best programs in the business. It's Heart Tales with Dave Cohen. Take it away, Dave. And welcome to Guitar Tales. I can't do it like Erin. She has like, I, I, I look fake when I'm doing it. Now she does it very organically. But Erin Dethridge, thank you so much for that bumper. That was a great one. Um, we also want to thank, as we've been doing for the past probably four or five episodes, our sponsor, uh, Charles Lorita of uh, Mischief Studios. He was a guest on season one. Phenomenal guitar player, great songwriter. And if you have any kind of recording need, if you need to buy a guitar, if you need to fix a guitar, if you need to hook up with musicians, give Charles a call. He will hook you up with musicians. He'll teach you how to play better, help you write songs, and he has studio space uh, right in his great building in Pennington, New Jersey. So reach out to him. And as I say every episode, and I mean it every episode, I want to thank my dear friend, Scott Guitar Assist Engel. Uh, we are looking at him. Liz and I, that's your foreshadowing as to who our guest is today. Liz and I are looking at Scott, but he's in black and white, the corner of our screen right now. Um, he's giving us the thumbs up, but no one can see it but us. Uh, but but Scott's the mastermind behind not only uh, what you see with the show, uh, but really getting uh, what we hope to be better and better content each time we tape an episode out there, whether it is a full episode, whether Scott is taking the time to turn it into a reel, which is no small amount of work getting it across all platforms. We are on YouTube. We're on Facebook. Uh, we are on Audible. And Scott could write me on chats. There's more. Uh, we're also going to be doing, just Scott and I, um, separate shows, which we're really excited about. We'll be doing mini episodes talking about things that you would like us to talk about. So if you have any ideas that you would like to hear Scott and I chat about, shoot us a note through any form of social media that we're on, and we won't do it. No, we will. <laughs> but um, now we're I'm really excited. Uh, we are probably, I'm going to guess, our, our fourth youngest guest ever. I was at the Stone Pony about three or four weeks ago, and I watched Girl Bossa Nova, a great new band with a great vibe, great songs, great musicianship. And I asked our lead guitarist if she'd come on our show, Liz Roberts. And in about four seconds, you'll see her on the screen. Hey, Liz, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And and I got to tell you, I was thrilled when you said yes after the show. So thank you. Yeah, I, I've been looking forward to this all week. I could talk about this band and music for like hours. That's so good. This is something I was just super excited for. Well, and, and as you should be, and one of the things that uh, Scott and I really like uh, when we get a young guest like you is that, you know, literally in the 1970s, Pete Townsend was singing Rock is Dead, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and he was, he was you know, predicting something that to some extent has partially occurred. You know, mm -hmm. if, if when Scott and I were growing up, rock was this much of the music scene, right? Mm -hmm. It got smaller and smaller. Now it's strong, but it's this, you know? Right, yeah. And, and, and people our age, you know, we're both almost 40 now, uh, 
Uh, people our age really can't hold the mantle of rock and roll. So when, when we see someone young who is, in, in my words, but I think you'll agree, authentically you know, carrying the mantle, uh, we're really happy to get to chat with you and more happy that you're doing what you do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a really interesting point. Um, and I could I could talk about that for so long. Um, it is really, I guess, uh, like difficult to be into that kind of music um, just as a young person, because I mean, obviously, it's not popular. It's not what's popular. Um, but there is something to be said about like resurgence of rock. Um, and Do you feel also, that? Do you feel yeah. Okay. I, um, I've talked about it with my friends before because I know people who think, oh, rock is, you know, dead. It's never going to be mainstream again. It's always going to be other kinds of music. Like right now, hip hop, I think, is probably what's the most mainstream or just like pop. Like, right, um, right. But then you think of how there was rock, but then there was like all the disco synth stuff back in the 70s. And then there was rock again, kind of in the 80s with like glam rock, true. a new kind of yeah. rock. And then in the 90s, when grunge came out and all this new kinds of rock, it was rock music. It was just not the same as it was in the 70s. And the people who say, like, that's never going to happen again, um, I don't, that's not true. Because as a young person who's in, like, the music scene, even if it is just the local one, you see so many bands and so many people, so many creative people with these ideas that that are just like continuing rock music in their own way. Right. And I so I don't think it's ever going to be like dead. I think people are going to keep continuing it and it's going to keep having these like resurgences just with kind of different genres. But even then it's also like you see so many people my age. I I think what actually dominates our like local scene is like these classic rock bands who do mainly covers but i've also seen so many doing original stuff too that fits into like like it sounds like classic rock it sounds like right, it right. came right out of the 70s and there's so much of that which is so cool and i don't think it's going to be like mainstream again i guess but i don't think it's ever going to die well so actually. is there something for you you could like um i'm talking in front of a laptop right now mm -hmm. um and if you have a really good apple right you could create music without anything ever entering the air, so to speak. Mm -hmm. and, and I wonder, you know, for someone your age, you know, you're young enough uh, where you grew up, you know, with an iPad and then an iPhone. And, and you know, I haven't even, I'm guessing you're about 21, 22 years old, something like mm -hmm. that. 20. 20, there you go. So, so I know my, my kids are 20 and 22. And mm -hmm. by the time they were four and five, you know, they've got screens, right? Um, yeah all the time and, and you are accustomed to being on devices with screens and yet you're drawn to music that enters the air before it gets recorded you know it's it's going from your guitar through a chord into an amp and out a speaker which is literally pushing air the speaker is bouncing back and forth and pushing air and one of my fears would be that kids your age would be so much more attracted to everything on their little screen and their virtual keyboard and all that. And I wonder what what drew you to what I know I'm more partial to, and I know Scott is more partial to, is the grittiness. Your fingers are touching the screen, the strings. You have an amp, maybe you have a tube amp, maybe you have a solid state, but or a modeling amp. But what is it about 
that kind of formation of music and art where you're way outside of a screen that drew you to it? I think there's, I mean, think of it in like a broader sense. I think there's always going to be um, an interest in doing stuff how it was done originally. Like even if okay. it's just like a niche, you see it everywhere. If you see it in photography, like my sister likes to take photos using film. And um, there's just always going to be like the desire, I guess, to go back to where something started and do that no matter how far we come with technology. Because like you said, even though I can just go on my computer and put what chord I want to make and have right. it feed it back to me, like I, I could do that. Anyone could do that. And with technology and everything and AI just getting to be so crazy. Um, it is, yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess what really drew me to it was just the, I guess, like the satisfaction of picking up a skill and just being able to do it as the people I look up to did it. Like when I first started getting into like rock music, I guess, or subgenre of it, um, I was, I must have been 11 or 12. Okay. And, um, I started listening to stuff other than what was like just on the radio um, and like stuff my dad plays for me. Um, I started listening to like pop punk stuff. Like that was my big thing as a okay. lot of people do in middle school. Oh, um, really? Now what is pop yeah. punk? I guess I would define it as just, I don't, I don't really know how to define it, but just to give examples, bands like, like fallout boy, like my chemical romance, um, Pin in the Disco, Third Eye Blind. It's kind of like like Green Day. Green Day, I okay. think they were the ones who kind of created it. Right, because they're very, you know, I, you know, actually my history with Scott is that he took me away from a punk band and we joined a band together or created a band together. <laughs> oh, cool. But but the, the punk from late 70s, early 80s is very different from Green Day because Green Day is really listenable. You know, they, they have real structure to their songs. They're produced nicely but they still found a way to sort of capture a big piece of the edge of those punk bands. Like, you know, the pistols, they, they were once in a while listenable, but they're very much not listenable to some people. Yeah. Like so that, so that's really what you're talking about with that pop punk. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically just taking punk and then making it like pop, you know, and making it more yeah. accessible. Punks um, and melody and things like that. Exactly. And that's kind of where it all started. And I, I think the biggest band that had an influence on me at that time was My Chemical Romance. I started playing guitar because of them. Um, All right. And I, I still, they're like so close to my heart. I will never dislike them. I will never like cringe at the fact I was such a big fan because I'm still a huge fan. I'm never not be a fan. Um, but they're why I kind of started playing guitar because I just saw... I saw that's how they were doing it. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to make music like that. I want to be able to play guitar just like Frank Figueroa does. Like I want his guitar. My first electric guitar was the same model. Oh, really? Um, what was it? As one that he has. It was an Epiphone Wilshire. Okay. Um, not very expensive, not very fancy. Um, not even the best sounding instrument. <laughs> Uh, no offense. But that's okay, right? But but that's okay, and that's how I wanted it to be. I didn't want anything fancy. I remember my dad saying, like, wow, you don't want, like, uh, you know, a nice Fender, maybe? And I was like, no, this is exactly what I want, because I want to do what he does, and I want to sound like him. 
And that's kind of how it all started. And I just fell in love with um, picking up the skill and slowly getting better and being able to change chords faster. And I just really fell in love with it. I just thought, like, if I ever end up making music, it's going to be through this skill and with the guitar. I just, I didn't really see it any other way. Well, that's, that's really great. And now, were you more of a lesson or a self-taught kind of person? I started taking lessons, actually, um, because my sister, um, it's funny, she's the one who took guitar lessons first, and um, I started doing it uh, kind of soon after she did, maybe a few months, um, and she actually ended up quitting, um, okay. because she just, um, I guess, didn't really wasn't really that into it. So then I started um, at the same place, uh, this place called The Music Place in Seagirt. And okay. I took lessons there from when I was 12 to when I was 19. So, so that's, probably that's a fair amount. Last year. So that's, yeah. yeah, it's a very long time. And um, he, the guitar teacher I had, his name is Matt King. Um, probably my one of my biggest inspirations just in life, like top five favorite people of all time. He is just so incredibly knowledgeable. Um, just gave the best advice when it comes to musicianship and even not even just advice about life in general. Like he was just so amazing and he would do whatever you wanted to do. So if you just wanted to learn a song he could teach you the song if you wanted to really really get into to theory and work on your technique and and take it really seriously he could do that and we did do that for a little while um and just an amazing amazing teacher like one of the best teachers i've ever had in my life um and i think if i if i really really wanted to i could have taken it a lot more seriously but i kind of just wanted to keep it as like a fun little hobby and continue going to lessons just to learn more technique and learn maybe some songwriting tips and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, those, those lessons were so amazing. And I, I owe all my skill to, to him really. A little bit to you maybe too. Right? <laughs> some to me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little bit, bit to you, you know, and it's interesting, you know, when you talk about life's lessons too, you know, you're on you're on this musical journey. It's an artistic journey. It's a self discovery journey. So it, it really makes a lot of sense that the person who's your tour guide on that mm -hmm. journey is the person who will give you life's lessons too, because yeah. everything you're learning on guitar applies to life. You know, exactly. And, and, yeah. and one thing you said resonated with me. Um, you know, in the town I grew up in, in Matawan, not that far away, mm -hmm. it, it seemed like every single person played guitar at least every for my generation every boy played guitar um yeah. and, and and a lot of the people who took it a little too seriously at too young an age gave up on it mm -hmm. and, I, and i think the people who found sort of the healthy balance between the rest of life and that maybe those people didn't become the, the best musicians in the world, but they stayed with it and, and they were allowed, mm -hmm. they allowed themselves to grow at a reasonable pace and, and they made it a marathon, not a sprint. And it, it sounds like that's what you're doing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I used to, um, 
I used to get down on myself like wow I am really not that great of a technical player like I don't know that much about theory and and all this because when you are in like the local music scene you just see such incredible incredible people and you're like oh my god and people younger than me you know people my age and you're like wow I you know it's so easy to get down yourself but then I think like I prefer it so much the way I'm doing it like um because I am pretty comfortable with my skill because it allows me to write the music I want to write play the music I want to play and um I'm very happy with it but that being said like obviously there's always room for improvement but I'm going to improve at whatever rate I want to you know because if you do put that kind of pressure on yourself it is so easy to just give up because you're because it's just too difficult like um <clears throat> sorry I just I always want to think of music as something I love and right, a hobby right. I can enjoy and not get frustrated and upset by so so yeah I just kind of am doing it at my own pace um still That's looking healthy. to improve for sure but I I just want to keep it as something that's relaxing and something that it brings me joy. That 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 it could not be a healthier statement. And and you said something else that that I both observed and, and intrigued me. Uh, so when when I went over, there were a bunch of bands playing at the Stone Pawnee. It's about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. I was there and I saw your band. Um, I was so happy to see flooding into the um, bar. Um, some people weren't allowed to drink. They were that young. Um, but young people who had, I'm talking about in, in the audience as opposed to your band, but rock pe pe people who were clearly under 25, let's say, who mm -hmm. looked like they had rock sensibility about them and mm -hmm. part of rock culture, if you will. I don't know anything about that Asbury Park scene for young folk like you. What is it like? Uh, vibrant? Do you all know each other? I guess social media plays a role in how you connect, but mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that scene, that that, that iconic Asbury, because Asbury Park goes back 50 years, really, yeah. uh, with the music scene. What is it like now for young people like you? So uh, that's, that's a really interesting question. Um, so just to give some context, the two, two of the girls in my band, uh, my best friend is our singer, Erin, and her sister Emma, they were also in a band in high school um, called Flourish. And when they were in Flourish, like they were playing shows all the time, you know, in Asbury and surrounding area, almost every single weekend, one summer, they were playing shows, playing shows. And um, so it's, it's funny because I, I would always go to those shows. And it's funny to see how some bands are always gonna stick around. Like we've seen, the same bands like just a ton of times and maybe even the same people in different bands and it, it's right, all just right. kind of interconnected and people will recognize them from that band um and it's just like there's always there's just always some kind of connection somewhere um and because i guess since it isn't really very big like it is kind of small um kind of like a small scene, I guess. Um, Cause there aren't really, at least from my like high school, I know there were not really that many people doing music. So when there are people who do do it, like you, you see them come up like all the time. And um, the scene is, 
it's interesting because you have so many different genres and um it's just interesting to see i guess like hmm, how do i put this like just seeing where everyone takes it and um it social media does play a really really huge part in it because a lot of what happens is you go to a show that you're playing and you post a hey, who's video. that on that picture <laughs> i love that picture um that was a really good one by jeff crespi um what was i saying oh yeah you, you post a picture or video of like one of the bands you're seeing and they'll respond to it uh and then you have a relationship already it, it's that right, easy. right it's that quick it's that fast and then you just kind of have like mental tabs on that person they said i was cool so we're gonna keep them in mind then you end up playing shows together again and again and again and they introduce you to other people and then you just get more and more in the scene so i i guess it is kind of easy to network when it comes to like social media and all that um and everyone that i've noticed everyone is just so supportive of each other which is really really amazing um like i've noticed within my age group and right. people we play shows with and everything it's just everybody is so sweet and everybody wants to wants their name out wants other people to feel good about what they're doing it's just it's a really really so good so scene i think really mutually supportive yes exactly. And, and that picture scott can you put that picture up again that last one i love that picture so yeah and, and you know what I, this is you know you can see a little bit in the background it says stone pony we we scott has played the stone pony we've had a few other people on the show who've played there that that's an internationally known venue i mean mm -hmm. you know in, in the conversation i've talked with people about it you've got the stone pony cbgb's the whiskey a go-go uh those those are sort of the biggies that i could think of off the top of my head mm -hmm. uh, and, and that that you had at, at before you're even old enough to drink you, yeah. you've had the honor of playing there i think that was your second time there wasn't it mm -hmm. and that's yeah. that's gigantic and that picture it really does capture the scene i i actually am embarrassed to say that i had not been in the stone pony um in about 30 years oh wow i was at whatever the uh, previous iteration of the rat that you know the radio station mm -hmm. they, they had some kind of radio party there you know for their station and i was there and that was the last time when radio actually mattered oh, wow. and not serious oh, but you know yeah, you know, terrestrial radio, as we call it. But you walk into the Stone Pony, and the vibe there is so transporting. And what I like about it is that it's not just a very rock and roll vibe, but it's a very Jersey Shore rock and roll vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to describe, but it just has that feel about it. And I wonder when you get up there on stage. Are you just feeling rock and roll or are you feeling the stone pony on some level? I think there's like absolutely no feeling compared to playing live music, but playing live music on a stage where you know is just just absolutely legendary, like has been around yeah. for decades and decades and decades and has had so many just incredible like 
artists. Um, it's it's really a feeling like no other. Even like I, we always get worried about how many people are going to be at our shows. If I was playing to no one on that stage, I wouldn't care because you're playing yeah. you're playing the Stone Pony. Like it's unbelievable. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean uh, Bruce Springsteen. I mean I, mm-hmm. I couldn't even do the whole list, but obviously the East Street Band was there. Southside Johnny. I heard Scott Engel and the Smoking Jackets have played there. <laughs> um, you know. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And I remember that show that that past photo was from. Uh, our first time we played there, I remember um, a few minutes before we went on, we were just looking at the wall and looking at all the pictures with the signatures, the guitars with the signatures, just of everyone who has played there. Um, there's a picture of Courtney Love. Um, from when Hole played there, which we didn't even wow. know that Hole played there. I didn't know that. And yeah. and uh, in our set, we cover two Hole songs. Like it's very obvious we're heavily inspired by them. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, and I remember there's a photo. I wish I had sent it. Um, but there's a photo of me and Aaron, our singer. We're like doing this, like to the picture of them. Oh, I love the that. Wall, yeah. It's, it's yeah. cute. Um, and it's just, it's so crazy just to think of all the people that have been on that stage before that you get to go on. It's well, its really just a feeling like no other. Well, you know what? Um, you're going to send us that picture. Mm-hmm. And, we'll, and, and through the magic <laughs> of editing, not now, yeah. but after the show, but through uh-huh. the magic of editing, Scott will, it'll appear on our show. So <laughs> we'll get that on. And I think now is a good time. Just a little clip. We have a little clip of you guys playing here. So we'll just put that on. What a great clip. And 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 I, I gotta say, like when I went to see you guys, that 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 clip is so sort of consistent with what I saw, which was you know, rock and rollers loving what they're doing, being them. I mean, you guys were just I could tell. Mm-hmm. You could tell when you see a band and they're not, you know, they're trying to be something they're not, or they're worried about things like that. You guys were just so true to what you were doing. And a lot of songs with a lot of great hooks. That song is really catchy. Like now it's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great tune. So let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the band. Girl Bossa Nova. How did you come up with that name? Or how did so someone our come singer, up with it? It was all Erin. Um, she just, she's a genius when it comes to like wordplay, stuff like that. Um and I, man, I, I don't, I wish I knew how she came up with it. Uh, but I guess the context for that is there's the whole, I don't even know what to call it. Just like internet thing of like the girl boss. Like, okay. Just, so that's a thing. I, 
it's a thing. I wouldn't really know how to describe it. Um, and I'm scared to describe it wrong because that would be embarrassing. But I guess it's just like it it's something that started out in full seriousness, like, oh, like girl boss, like a girl in I guess Your a bosses. position that okay. maybe and and bosses, I don't know. Um, and it started out serious, like it, like calling someone a girl boss means like you're doing something, fighting the patriarchy in a way just that has to do with that. Like you're just that makes a sense. girl boss. Right. I don't I don't right. I don't because really know how to describe it. But. Yeah, because you know, it it's it's time, you know, uh, my gender has unfairly had had the steering wheel a little bit too long, and you guys are saying mm -hmm. we want to grab that steering wheel too, right? Yeah, so so the there's that, and then life, obviously, you know? um, bossa nova is a uh, style of jazz. So we just figured put them together, and the band name actually it it's kind of a joke, um, but I don't really it, it's a joke, I guess, to us, um, right, right, because to everybody else. Um, I don't really know if they pick up on, I guess, like the irony part of it. Um, right, right, right. Just because, but it all kind of goes into, and and I might not be making so much sense here, but it kind of goes into this um, idea of like like hyper femininity when it comes to music because okay, at, that makes sense. At, at first, yeah, at first you have um, the obvious issue of males dominating the music scene, especially rock. Yeah. um and just especially a total rock. especially rock just a complete lack of representation when it comes to rock music i mean you look back um i think one of the and i might not be that knowledgeable about um rock artists like of classic rock and stuff but one of my inspirations i've always loved heart um right. with nancy and ann wilson you got that I can't really think of many more. I mean, I mean, Blondie, Joan Jett, you have artists like that. But when you think of that compared to all the male counterparts and all the representation there, I mean, you think of- Oh, it's unbelievable. If, if yeah. you ask anybody, just ask a random person on the street, to, hey, name the top five influential guitar players. Well, top 10 influential guitar players. Like, and you think they they probably won't put a woman's name in there. And it's just, there's just a total lack of representation. Um, so then you have like the idea of really wanting to fight that um, and thing like you need to fit into this box, I guess that was like created so that, by right. like males and everything. And, and you don't want to be feminine. You want to hide that because, oh, I only need to play hard rock music and I need to be a very good technical player to prove myself and prove that girls can do it and, and all that. But you don't want to walk away then, from that, which is feminine also, right? Exactly. So then yeah. you kind of have this weird conflict um, between like wanting to prove yourself, but then also feeling like you don't need to, but then you kind of just move towards this like acceptance um, phase, I guess, where you're like, you know, it really doesn't matter. I don't need to be the best guitar player out there because I don't need to put myself to anyone and you sort of just accept like like I can be feminine and still 
be a normal guitar player. Like, you don't need to do all this fighting and all this pushing. You kind of just need to exist and do whatever you want. And that's kind of where it all comes from is this whole, like, acceptance of the whole, like, feminine thing. Um, And that's kind of... I mean, that's very, like, a convoluted way of uh, explaining the band name. Um, But that's pretty much what it is. Like, and you see a lot of other uh, punk bands doing it. Um, Not that we're, like, a fully punk band, but there's so many bands out there. You've got a a little bit of that. You do. In a good, in a very good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of other bands. Um like accepting femininity and actually making it a part of their music, uh, which I think is really cool. And because I definitely went through a long period of time where I wasn't accepting it. I wanted to push against it. I wanted to like be like, oh, I don't, I'm not feminine. I'm not going to like play up the whole girl thing because you accept it by male musicians. And there's no way to do that if you're feminine. And that that's screwed up. And I kind of just moved way past that. We've made it. We've made um, it tough, haven't we? Like guys in general have made it difficult. Yeah, Yeah. it's and it's that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, it really blows my mind how in a day and age that is so progressive, um, in so many ways that that is still an issue. Still an issue, Uh, and it comes up everywhere. I mean, I could we could be for hours of me telling stories. Uh, where we've experienced just being belittled, no matter how subtle or overt, it, oh, really? it's happened to us just so many times. As a band yeah. and as musicians? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. And, and maybe, you know, maybe you're, you're putting your finger on the way, you know, we, we talked about, will rock and roll maintain or might there actually be a resurgence? And, and if mm-hmm. rock and roll is this, you know, sort of misogynistic, male dominated flavor of hard driving blues based music. Maybe mm-hmm. the next phase in rock and roll could be what you're talking about. You know, yeah. you, I mean, you, you know, I, I won't even talk about it, but I'm thinking about the, um, uh, the Ted Nugent album that's in my garage back there and, and, mm-hmm. and how, how, you know, to use today's terminology, it's toxic male. The entire album is toxic yeah. male. And, you know, I was this 15-year-old kid. I loved it because I bought into that crap. Uh, mm-hmm. But but you can do, you know, it's still rock and roll, but it, but it's a different flavor. You're doing the blues-based, but like, you t- you know, you're talking about, you know, you know, girl power is even a slightly dated term already, but 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 something that is not misogynistic, something uh, mm-hmm. that, that brings out the, the feminine in a way that is not the, the, the sort of style of feminine where men think that's weak, but it's simply that which you mm-hmm. are, right? And, yeah. and that could be a, a different flavor of rock and roll where you're not just retreading on, you know, on an old worn path uh, that white dudes 50 years ago cleared out for you, but something different, something mm-hmm. that's a little different. But, but with the guitar based drum format or two guitars based drum format, whatever one decides to use, you can make it very different. And maybe that's a path. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's yeah. pretty good stuff. Yeah, very for cool. sure. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for wanting to invent it in a way, uh, right. just 
you know, the lack of representation, like I was talking about, it's like, there is representation, they're out there, like, you think, like, sisters at a Thorpe, and, and, like, just legendary, legendary guitar players who are women, but then it's just, like, you look at what's in, what dominates it, are males that, like, driven, like, misogynistic yeah. aspects, and, and it's not really something you can, um, I guess, continue. I think that needs to be reinvented uh, just because of how how much it, it really dominates it. I mean, even some of my fans, like, I, I, I'm a huge Van Halen fan, you know. Yeah. All those about women partying, this and that. And it's like, you, you want to be able to music, you really do. Uh, but it's just it, when you start thinking about it you're like wow that that's screwed up like how this <laughs> all <laughs> I, I have a bunch of van halen lyrics swirling through my head right now and i'm thinking <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's true and yeah, yeah and, and then you know we could attach to the videos you know that mm-hmm. you know the old videos of a lot of their songs and uh yeah. it's exactly what you're talking about and, and that's sort of the hard thing i think for anyone but but more importantly, not just a woman, but a woman in your generation who's like, all right, I, I don't have to accept mm-hmm. my gender being in this role, but you have to find mm-hmm. a way to, if you want to, to enjoy that music. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it, I would imagine a lot of those songs, you, when when you actually let yourself think about the lyrics, it's cringeworthy, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, uh, same thing with like Zeppelin too, like when they're talking about like 16 year girls you're like wow it's oh, yeah. this music this music lack and it's also very um disturbing towards women so it's like <laughs> well yeah worse on a whole level but but you still want to you still want to enjoy the music and it, it just yeah. it makes it difficult um being like a fans like that because it's just they were so just derogatory and just all kinds of screwed up um yeah they are the ones that's like the the gods like the legends of the genre it's like they are like, when you look at that it's like wow I, this genre does kind of really need to be reinvented and and i guess that's that's also a thing that really really draws me towards um like grunge of the night uh that yeah that doesn't have it really my favorite it's completely gone i mean yeah you're right i never thought of that everyone and i mean part of like the whole movement it's yeah i would honestly i would a, a feminist movement in a way because it's just so yeah. about not caring about standards and conformity and just just existing as they are and i mean those of of kurt cobain and just plenty of other people um the genre who are like feminists like they did stand up for women's rights um it, it's a genre that that's that that high aim like grit the same like dirt and like drive as traditional rock and roll however it doesn't have all the misogynistic aspects and and not only I never do thought i love of that. the music yeah, yeah I, I love the music so much and it's just a plus that it's also such a good message in it um 
and a lot of what I stand for is in that music. So that's what that's what I've been into as of my freshman year of college. So that'd be like three years now. I've been like super into it. Um, and You're a junior yeah, at age guess, 20? Yes. Did, did you start early? Yeah. No, I didn't start early. Um, I'm also graduating early. I just, I don't even know how I did it. I kind of just took the hardest classes way wow. early on. Um, and here I am. Well, there you go. Uh, here you are and there you go, right? Yeah. So, yeah, by the way, um, I wanted to say one more thing about your band name that I, I couldn't go without mentioning. The fact that it's such an unconventional name leads people to talk about it. Like mm -hmm. you probably get that question. It, it, you know, if you had a conventional rock and roll name, you know, White Radish, I don't know why I came up with that. But if you can't, you know, <laughs> you, know uh, you, you get a couple of questions, but Girl Bossa Nova, it's even hard to say. I, ha I had to write it down so I wouldn't screw it up yeah. today on my little legal pad. I always like to show my legal pad <laughs> yeah. on the show. Um, so, so what do you guys have coming up? What, what are the next projects? Are you recording? Do you have any good gigs coming up? Yeah, so we have a ton of stuff we want to record over the summer. I When I was home for spring break, me and Erin just wrote a song. Um, and so we have that. We have one of the songs that we play live, the song Sweet Sounds. Um, we haven't recorded it officially yet. We have like, I guess I would call it a demo out there on SoundCloud, but we want to record that song the way we do it now. So we wrote that song years and okay. years ago, uh, but we want to record that. We want to record the one we just wrote. And then we have like three other song ideas too we want to do. So we're writing music like crazy and we really want to record that this summer. Um, and then we have a ton of shows in May um we haven't booked any yet for june and july but we're working on it um and we're just so excited to all be together and be playing shows and writing together because i'm just I, i'm so happy and grateful this band is like finally like happening we knew we only started last summer well you so, guys sounded um, great and I Thank sensed you. that you, you there, there was a nice connection among all of you when I was watching you play. I was watching the eye contact. Um, your rhythm section was really tight. Um, you know, the bass and drum. Thank you. Yeah, it sounded great. You sounded great. So as is always the case on Guitar Tales, the time flies. We've already hit uh, roughly mm -hmm. about 40 minutes, a little over 40 minutes. And I know you also have another engagement you have to get to relatively soon. So I wanted to thank you so much for joining us. And, and before we go, uh, this is such a dumb question these days because it's easy, but I'll ask it anyway. How do people find you? How do they find your music on social media? Um, so our, our Instagram is just Girl Bossa Nova. Um, our Spotify, Girl Bossa Nova, Apple Music, same thing. Um, our Instagram in the bio of our Instagram, we have like one of those link trees and that just gives all the yep. links to everything. Um, Perfect. our YouTube is in there too. Our YouTube is also girl boss Nova. Um, same with our TikTok. It's just girl boss Nova. I don't really know if we have that many posts on there. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty much that's the name for everything, all the stuff. That's great. And with such a unique name, there's no false hits for you. I suspect. No, no, no. We. No. I remember checking to see if that name already existed for a band, and it's like, 
what was I expecting? Like, no. No, no one's going to find that. some. There's not like a random pizza joint in Peoria that people will accidentally <laughs> hit, you know. Girl bossing yeah, over, they're exactly. only finding you guys. So, yeah. Liz Roberts, thank you so, so much for joining us. We had a great thank time you. with you. Absolutely. You. And I'll be seeing you. I'm sure this, I'll see your band at some point this summer. I live relatively local. And I want to thank all of you guys, our uh, fans of Guitar Tales. We have more great stuff coming. Scott and I are really excited. We just we just have to put it on the books, but Scott and I are going to start doing mini shows within our regular shows. And if you hit us up on our Facebook page, on our Instagram, on our TikTok account, any of those things, give us ideas, give us topics for roundtable type shows. We'd love to do it. More great stuff coming here on Guitar Tales. Have a great night. I'm number two. I'm number two. No, I was the second. That's right. I was the second one. The second on Guitar Tales, ladies and gentlemen. You're watching it right now. I'm Big Daddy M with the Amish Outlaws. I got to go back to work. Here we go. Hi, this is Dave Cohen, host of Guitar Tales, and Scott Guitarist with Dangle. So we put together this show every week for you guys, or at least every other week. We want you to do two things for us, which would be good for everyone. If you could subscribe on our YouTube channel, that would be great. And, and share. Please share the videos around with your friends. Let them know Guitar Tales is out there. Uh, it's not just about guitar players. We have a lot to offer. Thank you.